You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country. Hi everyone, Annie here for Showreel, looking at developments and practitioners in the Australian moving image industry. It is with great pleasure that today we highlight Here Out West, which opened the Sydney Film Festival and gets its theatrical release February the 3rd. If you are listening on Thursday's program on 3CR, the first screenings are on tonight for this not-to-be-missed depiction of life for people in Sydney's West. It is rare that people often reviled and misrepresented in the mainstream media can stand up and represent themselves. Here Out West is a compilation of stories artfully interwoven together over a day and a night in the West. It is the brainchild of Emerald Productions, a boutique production company specialising in working with new talent with funding from Screen Australia and Creative New South Wales. It brings together eight Western Sydney writers... Nestreen Amin, Bina Bhattacharya, Matthias Bola, Claire Chao, Akadas, D. Dogan, Von Patting, Tian Tian, and the directing skills of some of Australia's top female directors Lucy Gaffey, Madi Abut, Leah Purcell, Anna Kokkinos, and Julie Kakef. I spoke to one of the writers, Akadas, but first a snippet from an interview with one of the directors, Anna Koknikos, who is talking to Takaris Bizarkas from Screen Australia about her experiences of the project here out west. And apologies for my mispronunciations of names. All my life I've slept in China, in Burma and in bloody Lucky Pig. We will buy into this perfect house to live in. Just you and me. Oh. Oh my God. You better run. I'm right behind you, bro. Oi. Oi, Robbie. Hey. What's up, man? Do me a favour. Get rid of the ratty. If you trust a bit better, you wouldn't be in trouble as much. Is that why you moved out? Me and Dad were holding you down, huh? What's he saying? I don't know. He only spoke to us in English. Look, I can't help her if your cousin wants me, bro. She doesn't want you. You think you're Muhammad Ali all of a sudden. Oi, huh? chill, boys, huh? relax. A girl. Grace. Your granddaughter's name is Grace. Well, Grace will be happier elsewhere anyway.
I presume you've heard. About what? The baby. The kidnapping and maternity today. Yeah, I can't do this anymore. I'm moving to Melbourne next month with Elliot. Idiot. We've been together for five years and you still don't care enough to learn his name. Farrah, she, she's not just my cousin. She's basically my sister. I told her I will always protect you. I hope in the next life I get to be your daughter again. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And the courage to change the things I can. from home. What is Here Out West actually about? It's a chapter film. Um, there are eight different stories told roughly over a chronological period of sort of a day and a night. Each story is different but they're all bound together by a couple of things the first thing is that they are all stories that come from western sydney and those communities and secondly at the beginning of the film one of the characters a grandmother steals her granddaughter from a hospital and that sets off a chain of events over the course of the day and night that we um follow these characters Were the writers able to come on set much uh, and, you know, perhaps consult, uh, particularly, you know, with the stories being so unique to each writer? We certainly uh, engaged with the writers in, in a lot of detail. That collaborative process with each writer meant making sure that we understood the cultural significance of what they were doing. And that was really important. In the case of Everything Changes, the writer of that chapter was Matthias Boller. He is of Chilean background. I managed to get him involved in sort of being a kind of unofficial director's attachment to me. So he was on set the whole time. And so, yeah, there was a lot of cross-fertilisation in that sense. How did you manage working on projects that had multiple languages? It was challenging on two levels. It wasn't just the language, it was also a desire from everybody to cast within the cultures that we were representing. So the first thing is we were casting kind of real people from those backgrounds. We were unable largely to cast outside that. And that was a really wonderful challenge and I think a, a wonderful constraint. So in Everything Changes, the main character is a, is a guy called Jorge in his late 40s, early 50s. I cast a non-actor for that role. And I know that most of the other uh, directors ended up casting incredible people who had virtually either no experience or very little experience. And the second part of that was, in terms of language, we certainly faced some challenges. What that forces you to do as a director is to really kind of listen, you know, on a different level. I ended up having to do some additional 
directing for Fadia on the musician. They were speaking Kurdish and Turkish. So you kind of listen as a director on another level, you know, in terms of going, does that feel right? Are they hitting that dialogue in a way that feels right for this moment? So they were the two challenges. It wasn't just language. It was also we were working primarily with non-actors. On mornings like this, I almost forget. I just went five minutes with a hit answer in my head. And then like a solid punch in the guts, I remember, I remember, I remember, and think how could I forget Oh, I remember when he was only five Laying the table with the good forks and knives And it's different when you know them It's different when you know them It's different when you know them driveway hasn't started for six months it's got a plastic sheet for a window from the night he punched it and now it takes three buses to get to the facility but I still make the trip three times a week and I remember I remember I remember the phone call When I finally knew Felt like a screen door hanging open The wind just blew right through Me When I get home I open up his room The afternoon sun shines on Skeletor and Doctor Doom And I know what it's like to hold Your own flesh and blood How could he do that to the little body that he loved And it's different G'day, I'm Warwick Fulton, and uh, you're listening to 3CR. You're back with Annie on Showreel here on 3CR. Just a reminder that it's 3CR subscriber drive time. If you need to renew your membership, hop online or ring the station on 9419 8377 for the details. They'll help you out. 
In today's show, we're highlighting a terrific film that puts a mirror to lives lived in West Sydney. Here Out West opens February the 3rd and takes you on an inside look at the lives of Sydney's citizens in a deftly put-together piece of filmmaking. I spoke to one of the eight writers, Akadas, who has called West Sydney home. How did you get involved in this particular project? Um, so I got involved as a writer initially. I mean, I've, I'm personally, personally, I've been an act, I've been an actor for for a while in Australia um, and, and internationally. But uh, as a writer, I sort of sent in my um, short film project at the time. They wanted pieces of writing, um, and they were looking for eight emerging Western Sydney writers. Um, and yeah, I just got selected part of the process. And then you know we were in the writers' room, and sort of it all just started from there. Well, that's pretty amazing because the film itself is pretty amazing, the way it uh, ebbs and flows. And you're responsible for a particular segment, which is called uh, Brotherhood, right? Correct, yeah, the Brotherhood yeah, yeah. And certain parts of it are um, directed by different people. And you got to be in the hands of uh, Leah Purcell. How, how fantastic is that? It was really fantastic. Yeah, it was really cool to work with her. I mean, we kind of crossed paths a little bit in the industry through some theatre stuff, but never really worked together. So this was the first time we got to really, and and I got to work with her in two ways. You know, I got to work with her as an actor and as a writer on this project. So um, it was special in both ways. Yeah, as an actor, I mean, she's an actress herself. So it was just sort of organic and really natural and she could talk to actors. And as a writer, it was really special to work with her because you know, um, she picked my chapter and another chapter in the film to, to, that she sort of really connected with. Um, and I think she was saying that she really connected to my chapter Brotherhood because she grew up with two brothers um, and she lived in the blocks. And she was like, it really just felt like what I'd seen growing up, you know, with like the, the, the idea of sort of men and young men, especially in Western Sydney um, and how they are and what the depths of their feelings are like and how they get portrayed in the media. So we talked about all of that stuff and yeah, it just was really a lovely connection. Let's go back to the writer's room. Um, obviously all the, all the stories are fantastic uh, um, illuminating um pieces about what it's like for different people in Western Sydney. And with the uh, COVID uh, thing in particular, the uh, singling out of Western Sydney in a really abhorrent way, uh, this film couldn't come uh, soon enough, really, could it? I agree with you. Um, it's so kind of crazy how life happens, you know, and I think um, we we set out to start development in this film in 2018. Um, and look, Western Sydney has always been in the media negatively, I would say, majority of the time um, for, for as long as I can remember, you know, growing up. And I think growing up in Western Sydney, I always had a stigma, you know, around me of people will be like, and I used to be I think a lot of the writers say this as well, that they were kind of ashamed to be from the West and they'd say, oh, you know, I'm from the inner West. Like, you know, I grew up in Ashfield and I lived out West many years. Um, but I think this film came at a time where we felt empowered. Yeah, we felt really empowered to sort of uh, tell the story, you know, because we felt like Western Sydney voices were not really heard. And what we would see in the media is other people talking about Western Sydney rather than actual Western Sydney people representing themselves and representing the area and talking about characters and people that live there. Cause it's such a sprawling area, you know, like it, 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 it there's no one little pocket, like it just goes. Um, so I think, yeah, getting eight writers together for, to tell this story was the right, I guess the right approach, but the way that the timing worked for the film, you're absolutely right. I mean, COVID happened and the pandemic 
sort of split the city, I guess. And it kind of became this crazy, like, tale of two cities, you know, and um, a lot of pressure on places like Fairfield and Liverpool and Blacktown and, like, all this kind of Parramatta even. Um, And our film was sort of brewing at the time and it was like we were about to open Sydney Film Festival. So it was like this weird thing you know that was going on where this big western sydney project was about to open sydney film festival uh, representing the whole city and at the same time this place was really divided so um yeah it was cool in the end how we opened sydney film festival and i think people kind of really took all that on it's quite i mean it was interesting to me uh, especially say the uh, piece about the uh, uh woman from the philippines to the nurse yeah. Uh, yeah. how that particular hospital uh, services, it was shown during COVID that that particular hospital services uh, a huge amount of people but actually gets uh, a minuscule amount of funding and hasn't got uh, the services that uh, are requ- life, life-saving services. So it was really fascinating to have that as part of one of the key stories. Yeah, yeah totally. I mean, that nurse chapter, uh, The Long Shift, written by Vaughan, um, you know, it represents, it ended up, I guess, being such a pivotal, uh, you know, a, a chapter that a lot of people can relate to because they have either people that work in healthcare or, you know, nurses or they've been friends with them or whatever it is, or you have their mums worked with, with one. And also the overseas um, factor of like an overseas worker or an overseas nurse, a health worker who doesn't have their family here. And it's kind of the idea of like how isolating that can feel, but at the same time, you know, like, you're putting in these crazy, crazy long shifts and you're kind of like working all day, every day, and you don't have that sort of support system. So, yeah, a lot of it is very relatable, I think, to, to, to people now. How did you tease out all the most important elements? Like family is really important, and we mean family in a, yeah. a bigger way than just your immediate family. Absolutely. Um, look, I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, we never even really sat down and went, what are the, like, let's connect this, you know, all these chapters together. It just sort of happened organically. And, and like what we did decide on and what the producers, I remember sending a, a big email to us at one point of development saying, what we've decided is that, you know, we're going to link things um, thematically rather than not everything has to be a direct link, like physical, physically. So there are some physical links as, as, as you know, in some of the chapters, but overall it's thematic. So, you know, things like family, things like, place and home and connection and coming back home and and sort of like a a, a nice analogy for the film is the opening shot of the m4 and like how there's a lot of sort of crisscrossing you know highways and things that kind of go over each other and that's what this film ends up being it's this sort of crisscross of people's lives and if anyone's lived in western sydney um, or has lived in immigrant communities they know that it's a collective society like people grow up living with each other and helping each other and being there for each other and um you know uh and that something that we wanted to capture so I think that at the end of the day each character sort of leans on another one and like there is a connection between each character in this film so we just wanted to capture that and I think um yeah that that worked you know in the script but then we had to visually do it as well and I think you know credit to the DOP and the the camera team for being able to keep that in mind as they were sort of shooting it the whole way and the directors for sort of reinforcing that throughout it just took a lot of um a lot of chatting, I think. <laughs> this film made a lot of talking, a lot of collaboration, a lot of discussion. And I got to say again, I, I always say this in the interviews that you know, credit to the producers for having an open mind and a collaborative approach because I think you can't get an anthology done with this many people unless you are open to collaboration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your particular story is a lovely story. Uh, I yeah. love the way the um, the boy that's played by you, right? 
Robbie, yeah, correct. Yeah, Robbie, played by you, um, gets inveigled into someone else's absolutely yeah. tragic story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is such a special moment for me as well, personally. Um, it's probably my favourite bit of a film, actually, personally speaking, even though I love everything that happens in Brotherhood, but sort of where it crescendos and, and you know, into the next chapter and then it kind of, he, he, Robbie's character has his journey kind of complete. Um, you know, he becomes a man, I guess, by the end. And it's sort of like a really special thing that happened as Bina, who's the other writer of The Eternal Dance, she kind of wrote her chapter, you know, and I think we, we did chat about the connection and the crossover of the character, but it's something, it was a moment, it was a brain spark for her, actually. She went home and realised one day that, you know, there's this character in her story, it was this young Indian woman who's lost her sort of identity um, and she's trying to connect with her dad. And then she comes across this young man who sometimes when we actually see those stories, it's usually the opposite. It's usually the older person helping. But it's, in this case, it's a young man who actually knows his language and his heritage and that sort of becomes his power and he's able to sort of help her so yeah it's a very beautiful touching um chapter and i really related to it i love that section where he says what did he say and and uh, she says what did he say and he refuses to tell her about three times that's a really interesting cultural difference isn't it it is you're right actually and um i think the thing with that is that bengali people don't like really talking about death that much like it's sort of a uh, I guess it's sort of a spiritual thing, you know, that we don't really like to accept that people have died. So I think it's kind of like about the spirit continuing and stuff, but that's sort of the deeper element of it, I guess. But really essentially he, he doesn't want to feelings, yeah, in this person's life. And, and I think he knows what he's being dragged into at that point. So he's kind of like, Oh God, I, this is too much for me. Um, and he doesn't want to hurt her, I guess. And, and that's, there's all that sort of stuff happening as well, but that's, that's been his writing of like, you know, um, really touching on that, generational um differences between you know that older man there's three generations in that room basically and and that that you know that is so poignant i think um of bengali culture as well yeah 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 and very human and uh, the other thing about this of course is uh the in you said that he became a man and when you I, i've just been reading a whole lot of south american books which um and a whole lot of them about be a man be a man right yeah and uh their their reasoning behind what being a man is publicly is quite different from what you you you're, you were just esta- uh, establishing, which is being a person who can feel and can contribute and be supportive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. I mean, being a man means so many things, um, you know, <laughs> and like being masculine and, you know, there, there, there's, there's a level of, I think what's really special in this film is there are characters that are masculine but are not your typical type of masculine men and, and they show masculinity through other ways. I think different cultures view masculinity differently. I mean, I think in South Asian culture, especially, or in Bengali culture, men are quite sort of, can be quite sort of timid and feminine as well, but then they can be men that are quite strong. So I think you have like the balance of both. Um, but I think with Robbie's character, I can say that, yeah, he becomes a man because he takes on responsibility. I think that's the most important thing and that he feels like he's really, I won't give anything away, but no, I no, like... no, that's right. People have to watch it. But the other yeah. thing, the other thing about it is that it's not. Uh, of course, the strength of this is that it's all from people from the West point of view. Everything is from their point of view, which is actually the key. Um, uh, and, and they're made people. They're made. They're respected and respecting people. Um, uh, so, uh, but also they're people with enormous amounts of uh, cultural and uh, sophistication. 
yeah. which is quite clearly misunderstood <clears throat> by the general Anglo population, shall I put it that way? Yeah, I, yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, I think we need films like this or stories like this to be able to open up those um, larger narratives of like migration or like what are immigrants like, you know, and immigrant art and and create you know stories and films and music and art created by immigrants. Like I think immigrant immigrant people, I should say. Um, but you know, like this film is very particular about sort of things that are happening culturally to each of these characters or that's happening in their lives. But I think overall, um, yeah, you're right. It, it, it sort of um, opens up that I, that talk of like, for example, you know, there's a chapter about the death of artistry, you know, and it's about immigrant um, artists who come to this country and have to put their dreams to bed because they can't sort of continue it because there's no infrastructure sort of set up to help them thrive you know and so they have to go and and lay bricks or you know do something that they never thought they would do um so there is that you know and there's also then there's an idea of hope as well there's like you know there's another younger generation in the film that sort of might continue on and do what they really want to do and and take things on but then if you get out of the film it's sort of meta as well in a sense that like there's eight writers who are from western sydney and who are immig of immigrant backgrounds who have made this film and actually are now contributing to the the art space and the film landscape of Australia and I think that that's saying that we are moving forward and that like we can tell stories and get the wide audience to go watch it and relate as well like it doesn't always have to be I, th I don't think we have to feel like othered all the time I think that's, yeah, the most that's what I guess I'm getting at uh, and I suppose I should finish because I'm being getting given the uh, wind up um <laughs> It's fantastic. D dramatically, it's fantastic because, of course, every story is actually interrelated, which yeah. is fantastic. I mean, it's it's uh, horrible in some respects because, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it, that that makes it a very three D experience. Yeah, I would say so. Um, and I'd say again that it's because we're all sort of you know people that come to live in Western Sydney or or live as immigrant communities they always feel connected to, to each other um and we don't feel sort of we don't live in that kind of isolation so i think like that's saying so much about the world right now as well and i think you know how, how everyone feels because they've been put into their own little sort of pockets and forced into into their houses by this sort of pandemic and life right now um so i think it's really relatable to so many people and um yeah i just like to implore people to go watch it i mean it, you don't have to be from these cultures to go watch the film. No, no, it's a great film. It's it's yeah. a really interesting and ex uh, exciting experience, actually, because it's about Australia. And yeah. also, it's so it's going to get a theatrical release and then later on it will be on the ABC, won't it? Correct. So it gets theatrical release February the 3rd and uh, I'd love... We, we would love people to go out and watch it first weekend if possible, just because it really just means bigger numbers for us and keeps us in the cinemas and you know, hard to compete, obviously, nowadays with like big blockbuster films. But um, it's an Australian independent film um, and I'd love people to go support it. Uh, it's getting a nationwide release um, and then it'll be on the ABC later in the year at some point. All right. Thanks very much for talking to me. Thank you, Annie. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That's it from Showreel this week. Here at West Starts tonight at Australian Cinemas, check online for the outlets near you. Until next week, stay safe. Talk to you soon. Rise against the odds, breaking cycles, stopping drugs, paying respect to who I've lost. See, I'm caught in this position where I have to set it off. I had no choice but to get straight to let fate. Could do a 
much cause, see I'm trying to be a better one Trying to be a better mum, I ain't stopping till it's said and done And set in stone till I become someone that you'll always see So you can look up to me, place my footprints in red dirt But please don't step like me, I'm trying to get things right I ain't trying to get it twisted, but I'm hopping on the mic Just to tell you my lived experience, raised by a single mother She taught me to just believe And if I have a dream, I can be what I want to be See, let me tell you a little bit about my situation I grew up in a generation, still angry at a nation See, I'm trying to get my trauma out by doing what I do And sharing is healing, so let's share and show the proof what's up This is a beneficial protection I know I can Be what I want to be if I work hard at it, I'll be where I wanna be. I know I can. I know I can be what I wanna be. And if I work hard at it, I'll be where I wanna be. See, I'm destined for greatness. Baby girl, you'll get them chances. Just make sure that you take it. And my boys too, when you get it, just make sure that you chase it. This is start line, my baby. Here's the record, go break it. Yeah, I'm here to pay you back. I just wanna be your mummy. Yeah, I dreamt of you before you were even seeds in my stomach. I prayed to Angina and I prayed to Bayami. And you are everything that I ever wanted. See, I just wanna teach you strength. And that you were strong and through every situation you can right your wrongs. I just want you to see what you mean to me. And everything about me is about family. This is destined for me. You's a destined dream. You's a destined to be whatever you want to be. And while you follow your dreams, I'm going to be on your team. Because that's where mummy is supposed to be. I know I can be what I want to be. I work hard at it. If I work hard at it, I'll be where I wanna be. I know I can. I know I can be what I wanna be. Be what I wanna be. And if I work hard at it, if I work hard at it, I'll be where I wanna be. I'll be where I wanna be. I love you, my baby. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.